he says of us is really all that matters. And uh, it's interesting in a life how we tend to believe what others say more than what he says. We tend to believe what others think of us, say of us, consider of us more than what he says of us. He says that we are more than overcomers. He says that we are victorious in Him. He says we are loved with the greatest love that's ever been given, according to John 3.16. All of those things are true. The question really remains this. What do we believe? I believe what you say of me. I believe that truth that He communicates in my life. Beautiful song. Beautiful job. Appreciate that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 18. We're going to continue right along with that thought. In Matthew chapter 7, while you're turning to Luke 18, we'll get there in just a moment. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus offers an illustration that sometimes we struggle with a little bit. And the illustration is this. He says, why is it that you're concerned about the speck in your brother's eye when there's a log in your eye. And, and we talk about that, and rightfully so, in regards to judging. Why do we judge others about faults or failures or shortcoming in their life when we have so many issues of our own? And I think that's a very important truth. But I think there's another truth that we can learn from that text that oftentimes gets overlooked because we get so caught on this idea of judging or not judging according to that text. If you read on in that passage, and Jesus talks about us taking care of the log that is in our eye. Let's take care of our issues. Let's take care of our shortcomings and our problems and, and our mistakes and those things. And then he says, then you can help your brother with the speck that's in his eye. And so when I read that, he says, yeah, don't judge. Don't condemn others. You know, with the old saying, when you're pointing at someone, you got fingers pointing back at you and all of those things. But he says this, go ahead and take care of the things that, that you need to take care of. But when you have, my expectation is that you will help others. And we often miss that message. We get so caught up in the judgment side of it that we forget that he says at the latter part of that illustration, and once you've taken the log out of your eye, then you can help your brother deal with the speck that is in his eye. And so he has this expectation that Jesus wants us to help others. Jesus loves and cares for his people and this world way beyond what we understand or comprehend oftentimes. Far beyond just Sunday morning in church. He wants us to love people and care about people His way. And His way is far different, I think, oftentimes than what we think it should be. Let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture before we get to our, our message text this morning. In regards to that, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Probably won't have time to look all these up, but if you want to write them down, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Jesus said, it's not enough just to look out for the interest in your life or, or for 
for the betterment of you or what's best for you. He says, I want you to look out for the interest of others. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians 6, 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. If we will help each other with our burdens, with our struggles, with our difficulties, he says we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And so he calls us to care about people, to love people, and to be willing to do something about helping them. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Beloved, uh, uh, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another. Honoring the others in your life. Everything is not about you, he says. But what I want you to do is I want you to take care of things in your life. Remember what he said in Matthew chapter 7. Let's get the log out of our eye. Let's deal with our issues. But he says, once you've done that, then help other people. Reach out to them. Give them preference. Love them. Bear their burdens. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Giving preference to one another. We don't do that very often in the world today. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I think is best. What I feel. What, what is significant to me. And so we have to understand, Jesus says, that's not the way that we do things. That's not the way as a believer that we should act in the world. In fact, let's go to that Luke passage that uh, I shared with you earlier. In Luke chapter 18, and uh, beginning in verse 35, and listen to what he says. There, there was a blind beggar, and, and he was along the road as Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man sitting by the roadside, begging. And when he heard this crowd going by, he asked, what was happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, The Son of David, have mercy on me. Now get an image here. There's a crowd of people that are going by. There's a blind man who cannot see what is happening, but he can hear what is happening. And so he asked someone, what's going on? They said, hey, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And so he begins to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who are leading the way, and probably the one who answered his question, turned to him and said, Hush, be quiet. Don't, don't disrupt what's going on here. They wanted to put him to the side. They didn't want him to interrupt the events that were taking place. And yet, as he continued to cry out, Jesus, the Scripture says in verse 40, stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. So, so Jesus is going along. There's this crowd of people around him. There's this blind guy who hears that it's Jesus. He's crying out, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And the people around him are doing what? Shh, shh, be quiet, hush. We don't want to help you. We don't want to be bothered with you. We don't want to take time for you. And Jesus stops. Perfectly still. And He says, whoever that is calling for mercy... Bring him to me. I want him right here, right now. Now imagine if you were one of those people 
who had been telling him to be quiet. Imagine if you were one of those people who had said, we don't have time for you right now. And Jesus stops and says, hey, bring him to me. I want him right here, right now. How would you feel? How would you feel if you were the people trying to quiet the guy? How would you feel if you were the people trying to tell him, we don't have time for you. We've got more important things to do. You're insignificant. There's nothing that you can do. All of these things. Just they were rebuking him. Now, you get the idea here, rebuke. That doesn't mean that they were just going, shh. It means they were telling him, shut up. Be quiet. You don't have any value here. You don't have anything to offer here. That's rebuke. They were telling him to stop what he was doing because he was insignificant. And Jesus said, hey, Whoever that is, bring them right here. Why did he do that? I think he did that to show that everyone has importance and everyone has value. I think he did that to demonstrate to those people that were around him trying to hush that man to say, Listen, everybody deserves to be heard. Everybody deserves to be cared about. For, for us to, to pick up their burden and to care for them in life. And so Jesus says, bring him here. And then Jesus asked him when he came near, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus already knew. There was no secret. There was no hiding. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Because what? Because he believed. Just like she's saying this morning, I believe. I believe in the things that you say about me. I believe in the things that your word tells me about me. And he said, because you believe, because of your faith, you will be healed. And the scripture says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. When people saw what he had done in this man's life, They celebrated Him. They praised Him. They lifted Him up. And this man followed Jesus along with the others because now he could see when he had been blind. Because Jesus said, this man has value. This man should be heard as every person has value. And every person should be heard. See, God wants us to care about people. We can go through God's Word time and time and time again and see Jesus caring about people. What about the woman caught in adultery? Remember the story? They they basically ensnared her and trapped her and caught her in adultery. They bring her before Jesus and they wanted to test Jesus and, and they said, hey, the law says that she should be stoned to death. And Jesus said, okay, I tell you what. He said... You guys pick up the stones, and the one of you who has no sin, you go ahead and throw the first one. And then everybody else can join in. The Scripture says that each one of them, one by one, dropped their stones and walked away. And Jesus looked at the woman, and He said, where are your accusers? They're gone, right? He said, they don't judge you anymore, and neither do I judge you. Go your way and sin no more. You see, Jesus... Not only did he not want this woman to be stoned to death, he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to humiliate her. 
And, and so he cared about her. He reached out to minister to her and to her life and made a difference in who she was. What, what about the Samaritan woman at the well? Once again, she's coming in the noonday heat. We deduct from that that she was embarrassed or ashamed to be with the other women at the well because of the gossip and things that would go on. So she came in the noonday heat, which, which was very out of the ordinary for women coming to gather water for their home. And she encounters Jesus. And, and she says this about Jesus. I won't go through the whole conversation this morning. But ultimately she says this about Jesus. She said when she went back to the village and now she was okay to talk to people because she had encountered Jesus. She wasn't embarrassed or ashamed any longer. And she said, I met someone who knows everything about me. And yet he still cares for me. You see, Jesus didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to humiliate her. He wanted to care for her. He wanted to, to love. He wanted to reach out and make a difference in her life. And, and so, listen, we look at these individuals and we look at these people and the way that Jesus cared for them. And we see, we know, we understand that they were sinners. We see, we know, and they understand that they were living their life opposed to the teachings that He had offered. But when they encountered Jesus, their life was changed. When He reached out to care for them and to help them and to minister to them, suddenly their life was made different than it was before. And so He calls us. He says, listen, I want you to reach out and to care for people. I want you to love people. I want you to minister to people. I want you to meet them where they are. Did you notice that? None of those settings were in a church building. None of those settings were in a synagogue. None of those settings were in a home and a Bible study. Every one of those was at where people were. The beggar was on the side of the road and he was asking for people to give him something to help him because he couldn't earn a living in his life. We think about, you know, the, the, the Samaritan woman that, that, or the woman that was caught in adultery and they brought her before Jesus where she was. He was actually in the synagogue in that occasion. But in relationship to that, he didn't go out looking for her. They brought her to his presence. The woman at the well, he met her where she was. Over and over again, we see Jesus caring about people, reaching out to people, caring about meeting their needs where they are, and he calls us to do the exact same thing. Scripture says in the Gospel of Matthew, in a similar story about a blind beggar, Jesus turns to his disciples, his followers, and he said, The field is widened to harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers. That's what we need to be praying about. We need to be praying about workers who will care about people. We need to be praying about workers who will reach out to meet the needs of others. And we need to pray and be praying and asking God, how can I do that? How can I be one of those workers? How can I be one of those people who, who the field is widened to harvest and that you need workers to go and to harvest and, and to reap and to bring people into the kingdom? God, how can you use me to do that? How, how can you use me in my life in some way, in some fashion, that I can help meet the needs of others. And then we need to get busy doing that. We need to get, not just always thinking about what someone else can do. Oh, oh, somebody can do this, or somebody can do that, or somebody can... How about me? What can I do? How can I get involved? How, how can I care about other people? How can I reach out and minister to them and care for their lives? 
Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14, there's an interesting passage here that talks about the, the people of God, the nation of Israel, and, and the fact that they've been taken into to bondage, into slavery. And, and it's because of their corruptness, it's because of their falling away from God that these things happen. In Jeremiah 6, 14, it says this, They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. In other words, he says, they're putting a band-aid on things and telling people everything's all right. Hey, there's peace, there's peace, everything's okay. There's no turmoil, there's no fighting Okay, they're in bondage. They're in slavery. Okay, but there's not a fighting. There's not a war. There's not a battle. People aren't losing their life. And so because of that, they kind of put a band-aid on it and they go, Hey, listen, don't gripe too much. We're at peace. Peace, peace. Everything's peace. And he says, there is no peace. My people are struggling because they have abandoned me and because they have forgotten me and because they've turned away from me. And he said, there's no peace in their life. You can say it all you want, but it doesn't make it true. And he says, we need to be a people who who care about others. We need to be a people who reach out. And, and we need to understand. I, I was reading a while back, Dallas Willard. And, and he alludes to this modern journey in his book on spiritual disciplines. And this is what he concludes. Obviously, the problem is a spiritual one. And so must be the cure. We can never meet the spiritual needs of this world with using earthly means and methods. He says we have to fix spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. That's what we need to be praying about. We need to be praying about how can we as people... It's not about what president we elect. It's not about what government we have. It's not about our economy. It's not about any of those things. It's about spiritual things. It's about reaching out to care for people and help them to meet Jesus so that He can change their lives. And so we need to be praying about God using us to reach out to meet the needs of people so that they can come to know Jesus so that He can change their lives. And when we begin to do that, when the church begins to do that, and people become to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and their life is changed spiritually, then our nation will be healed. Our nation will be restored. Our nation will be made whole again. Not because of what any government or anything else has done, but because of what the Lord will do through the people whose lives He's changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God, use me to help make a difference in the future of people and in the future of our nation. Let's pray this morning before our invitation. Father, we bow today and we know we live in a very troublesome time. We know that there are problems upon problems in our world today. Father, we know according to the truths of Your Word, those problems are spiritual problems. Those problems can only be healed. Those problems can only be fixed. Those problems can only be made right through spiritual means. And Father, we pray today that we would begin in our individual lives and in the collective lives of this church body to seek how You can use us 
to help reach others, the fields that are widened to harvest, to share the message that you have given us to help people deal with the spiritual issues in their lives so that they might be healed and restored and strengthened by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when our nation and when our churches in this nation begin to do that as a whole, we can turn things around. We can head again in the direction that we should go because of you, not because of anything we've done, not not because of anything anyone else has done, but just because of you. Help us to never forget that. Help us to be drawn to that. Help us to be committed to that and faithful to that in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.